Welcome to the AI in Action podcast, the show where we break down the hype and highlight the practical benefits of data science, machine learning, and artificial intelligence on our everyday lives. Subscribe to the podcast, check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any Android podcast of choice. Hello, welcome to the show. My guest today is Kevin Kodal. Kevin is a passionate researcher, speaker, and writer in AI, future social networks, and trend detection. He's also the founder and CEO of Ripple Technologies. Ripple offers a predictive analytics platform for content producers to predict what to write next, target the right audience, and measure success by increasing content engagement. Over the course of today's episode, Kevin's going to tell us about how he became interested in artificial intelligence and NLP, what inspired him to set up his own company, Ripple Technologies, and he'll share with us the benefits that Ripple brings to clients, such as RTE, on how to identify trends and increase content engagement. Later, Kevin will give us his opinions on the new GDPR rulings and just how important they are from a commercial standpoint. Finally, he'll tell us why he believes there'll be more transparency and realization within AI in the next few years. Hope you enjoy listening to this episode. Without further ado, let's get right into it. I'm with, I'm with Kevin Kodal. Coidal. That's right. Kevin Kodal. Koi, Koidal. Koidal. Very good. Yeah. Kevin Kodal. I won't do this in the edit bits. Okay. Kodal. Kodal. Not Kodal. Kodal. <laughs> Kodal. Okay. Ko- like Koi and then the Koidal. Okay, grand. Okay. My guest today is Kevin Koidal. Yes. Uh, I'm absolutely delighted to have him on the show. Kevin, can you give me a little bit of a, an overview about your background and how you actually got involved in AI and machine learning? Yeah, my, my, my background is uh, mostly in computer science, but also in philosophy. So I started my studies in Germany studying philosophy. And specifically there, I um, focused on artificial intelligence, which is now over 10 years ago, and it wasn't a hype then. Um, artificial intelligence then was more about general AI, so can actually we imagine a future in which we um, have machines that behave or even are similar or the same as humans, this typical singularity event that that, that is mentioned a lot. So that's general AI. Um, but I then um, started to develop a keen interest in computer science. So I, so I, I continued my my degree doing a PhD here in Trinity College in specifically computer science in an area called personalization. Um, now it's everybody calls everything AI, but then it was personalization, which is a specific um, variation of recommender systems. So basically what kind of website, what kind of content, what kind of information is applicable for the user. And within that area, actually, I got very strong in e-learning or edtech. Uh, and I th- still think that's a big that's a big um, area in which we will see breakthroughs and it hasn't really broken through yet because imagine an application that is driven by AI which understands you well enough and not just what page you want to read next because of some stupid interest or some like you clicked, but literally has an idea about your knowledge state. So, so AI that can model your knowledge and potentially your motivation and your belief structure that can be very powerful in helping you learn more. So imagine we have chatbots and assistance uh, mechanisms that actually don't just give you information, they actually give you knowledge. So that shift hasn't really happened yet. And that, 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 that was my research. So my PhD was in that space, um, trying, to create, um, trying to create environments in which people use the web more connected and more, more in a way that they can learn stuff. And that then, um, after my PhD, I then continued getting more and more into AI. So I started to, to look into uh, NLP, which is uh, natural language programming. 
and, and NLP then, uh, I lecture MLP, NLP, um, I do a lot of my research in NLP and NLP also um, piqued my interest because it's one of the only areas in AI which is still a big question mark. Like image processing and image video basically the same and speech I would say is at 98% like we almost cracked that. Like we can identify trees and cars and all that kind of stuff, self-driving cars use it, it's fine. But NLP natural language is, is still a really hard space and you can't, you can't drive towards that vision of uh, knowledge-based AI or knowledge support or real intelligence if we don't, if we don't work on the language part. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your background about Ripple Technologies and what was it that motivated you to set it up? Yeah, to become a billionaire. <laughs> no, the money wasn't motivation. <laughs> and you'd be stupid to think you could do this for the money. So what happened was um, after I did my PhD, I actually joined my PhD. It was before I finished my PhD, which I'm not sure I would recommend to anyone who, who, who's thinking of doing that. So before I finished my PhD, I actually commercialized my PhD. So parts of my PhD, which is due to this idea with the recommendation system, um, was identified by Enterprise Ireland as commercial, as a potential commercial goal. So we went for um, the AI, not AI, EI, Enterprise Ireland. Um, it's a lot of minds there. <laughs> yeah, it's too many of them. Um, Enterprise Ireland Innovation, um, no, it's called the Commercialization Grant for Third Level Researchers, I think. Um, and they provided us with funds, able to build a team um, within the university. Uh, we worked uh, there extensively in building a proper industry application because in research you just create shit code because you just want to evaluate or test the system but you have to then if you want to commercialize it create a proper robust version so um with my co-founder who was who i support basically supported as a master's student before that um we founded ripple technologies and um, got funding we got early traction and interest from different entities in news and media um, that for funding reason didn't work because they just didn't have any money we pivoted over to um uh, tourism, which was Falcher Ireland. They used it on their website for a while. I kept the company going and now pivoted again. Now it's not a recommendation system anymore. Now it's a social media dashboard that helps uh, editors to identify trends and write the stories that they should be writing or want to um, know about uh, information that they can write. Um, and, and that's used by RTE. Brilliant. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the predictive analytics platform and what's involved in helping content producers and creates engagement. Yeah, so what you, what you, what, where this falls, and that's something we, we picked up working with publishers, is not recommending the next piece of content to their readers. That's, that's kind of cracked. I mean, there's still commercial opportunities there, but creating another recommendation system for what to read next, or you might be interested in this, is a hard market to get into at this point. Um, the pivot was interesting, where we would say, okay, let's try to predict what an editor or a journalist or a publisher has to actually publish next so that the reader wants to click on it. So let's go like one step earlier into the value chain and let's just say, okay, when you're producing content, can we help recommend certain trends? So that's the trend part. So predictive analytics specifically in trends and, and using information throughout the web um, on how can you predict what the trends are? And in tourism, that's a, that's a lovely one to use because you can, you can, start, mining, um, you can start mining different areas uh, and different languages. You can kind of go, okay, let's see what the Germans are talking about on social media. And the Germans seem to be talking a lot about oysters. So, hmm, 
there must be a reason why they talk about oysters and they're picking up books about oysters. And for some reason, Germans coming to Ireland or tweeting about Ireland, they always have this thing about oysters. So clearly, Falcher Ireland or some hotels or whatever, they have to publish more content about oysters to attract people coming in because that's their interest. So you can predict interests based on data trends. Once you have the data sources, I guess that's always the holy grail in AI, but that's, that's the, the way this works. So we, we then did that uh, for Falcher Ireland, which, which was a great uh, relationship. Um, we then did move on to RTE though, to, to kind of help them predict trends even quicker, which is a product called Pulse, Pulse of the Nation at the moment. Brilliant. Um, you, I also see that you've got a, a very involved in actually sharing some of your insight regarding GDPR laws. What are the main points people need to be aware of in relation to this and their data privacy? Yeah, I think, the, I think there's two sides of the coin. Obviously, there's the consumer and then there's the, 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 the company that holds the, the privacy-related uh, information or the, the private information. For the consumer, it's, it's not a major shift because most of the stuff that was or what is going to be in place was already in place before. Like you were always able to send an email to the data commissioner uh, or to Facebook and you could download or receive all the information that Facebook has on you. Same with Google and any other um, larger company that is digital in, in, in within Europe. And most of the large ones have their headquarter here in Ireland. So you can just request it um, and you get a huge data dump with all the likes and clicks and so forth. But GDPR makes it a lot easier. So GDPR for the first time ever clearly regulates this entire space, what the companies have to provide and, and, and makes that as easy as possible. Basically now you can go to a lot of these um, social media websites, for instance, and within one click, like you can go to Instagram and you can put in your email address and they'll send you all the stuff you ever did or any interaction you have on Instagram, um, which can be an interesting and shocking experience. So it's recommended to do that. It's become very easy. But for the other side, for the commercial side, it's, it's, it's a much bigger, much bigger headache because it means you need to have your data in order. For someone to throw in an email address and then download all the information that you have on that person, by click, in many cases, it, it means a reorganization of the entire data structure and the databases. So, so that's, that's a real headache and it has to happen by the end of May, but then there's a two-year grace period. So you can still get your stuff in order within two years, but then after that, it's going to hit you hard with, with like up to 4 million or 2% revenue and on, on any, any kind of fines. So, you have, so anybody on the commercial side has to take this super serious. So. If you could predict the next five to 10 years, what do you think the future of AI and data analytics will look like? Yeah, I think we're going to see a strong shift, which, is, which has a lot to do with the current crisis coming out of social media or democracy in general, hit by social media and some of the things happening there, which I think will lead to machine learning AI becoming more transparent, which is very hard. Like with my research hat on, if you feed a machine learning algorithm, a neural net with data, and that then makes decisions on that data. It's, it's, and you want to know why that decision has been made, why that content recommendation was given, or why that Russian spy ad appeared on Facebook. It is almost as hard as opening the brain of a human and looking in and saying, why did you actually eat Kellogg's this morning? Like it, it's so, so, because these mathematical systems are so wired in that it, require, it will require years to actually create models that transparently show us how have these, like what data has actually made these decisions happen and why is the data maybe biased or not biased. So I think a big trend is going to be in that. Um, but I think it's going to be another side that people will realize that AI is not the, the do-all, be-all thing. Like there will be a realization that AI is very, very basic. It's just maths. It's not going to create the magic 
crazy stuff that everybody's talking about. It's not going to replace humans, quite the opposite. It's not going to replace all the jobs either. Um, it, it will have a very specific and important function in, in, in our society, but far less than what's hyped. So there's going to be a realization and there's also going to be a lot of transparency. That's what I think. Kevin, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, thank Mark. You. That's all for this episode of AI in Action. Hope you really enjoyed it. If you'd like to stay updated with all the latest podcasts, then please head over to the website aiinaction.ie and subscribe to the newsletter to get the podcast delivered straight to your inbox. Finally, I'd like to take the time to let you know about the AI Awards. We're now looking for applications from academia and industry professionals to apply. Set up in 2018, the AI Awards are a not-for-profit business, community-led initiative that was set up to celebrate the best in artificial intelligence and data science in Ireland. Our focus is to support the AI community by recognising the hard work and dedication of those working in the field of AI, data science and machine learning. We see this as a fantastic opportunity to showcase your work and skills to the AI community on the island of Ireland and also help raise the profile of Ireland as a destination for AI investment. Winning an award brings industry-wide recognition, raises your company profile and increases awareness of your brand and product. Applications take only a couple of minutes, so go ahead, apply today at www.aiawards.ie. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you again next week.